Good morning once again and happy new year to you all. Hope you had a good Christmas, restful, and some of you are back to work. Some of you, hopefully the kids are back to school as well. So, and I've been asked to kick us off this year. First preach of the year is a very huge responsibility because it's, it's, it sort of defines a lot of what we're going to do this year. So, and what I want to bring this to this morning is a one-off. But interestingly, it ties into what Duncan has been talking about the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, by, by this time, you guys should have your New Year resolution, uh, if there's anything like that. I mean, who still does that? I'm not quite sure, but I, I rarely do that. But last week, Duncan spoke about plans. And he spoke about the need for us to go back and, and have some time to pray and make plans for the year. And so when you've made your plan for the year, what then must you do? What should you do once the plans are made? And this is why this message is so important, because it tells us what we need to do. It's a bizarre you know, chapter we're going to read, because it, 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 it kind of doesn't look as if that's what we're going to do. But as we go through it, you will see that um, it's very important that um, we pay attention to the context. Now, this story we're about to read is a story of redemption and the supernatural act of our God. Uh, I've titled this preach in the footsteps of the lepers. In the footsteps of the lepers. As we read this passage, I want you to pay attention to some of the things that happen in this passage and ask yourself, do you really believe this truth? And, and sometimes when you read God's word, does it come across to you as just something that has happened in the past? And I believe that oftentimes when we read God's word, it reminds us of a few things there. And Paul was making emphasis on some of these things. If you look at 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, you know, Paul said, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. So the things that have happened in the past are not just legend. And it doesn't mean that things that happen, but they are written for our instruction. So when you read God's word, think about how does it apply to my life today? And can you believe the same thing that happened in those days? Hebrews 13, 8, Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the same today, the same forever. So what did they yesterday is able to do today? Do you read God's word and ask yourself, God is still, still possible in our day? If you look at um, another verse of scriptures, I think Hebrews, um, Romans 5, it said these things happen to them as examples that they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the age have come. We are in the end of the age. And the things we read helps us to see perspective and help us to trust God when we are faced with challenges. Because we can say, if God could do it for them, God could do it for us. In Isaiah, the Bible says the testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. When you read God's word and you see the testimony of God's word, you can say, God, if you could do it for them, you could do it for us. And sometimes there was a, there's a place in the scripture, I think it was Jephthah, I don't know if it was Gideon or Jephthah, when, I think it was Gideon, when the angel appeared to him. And then he said, Gideon, oh man of God. And Gideon said to Jesus, so where are the things our fathers have said? And 
You know what the Bible says? It says, go in this your might. So we see through scriptures that when we read God's word, it reminds us of what God does do, but it provokes our heart as well that if God could do it for them, he can do it for us. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? Good. I've got good attention. Let's go. So 2 Kings 7. So we are going to read 2 Kings 7 this morning. Okay, so you should come on your screen. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB. Uh, now, Elisha replied. Now, that's an interesting way to start a chapter. So what is he replying to? So you need to go back <laughs> to what happened in 2 Kings 6. We haven't got the time to read. So Elijah is replying to something. Okay, so we haven't got time to look. No, no, well, I'll tell you what, what he was replying to later. So Elijah replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, at Samaria's gate, six quarts of fine flour would sell for half ounce of silver. And 12 quarts of barley would sell for a half ounce of silver. Then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this thing really happen? Elisha announced, You will in fact see with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. Now, four men with skin disease were at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let us go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will also die. So now, come on, let's surrender to the Arameans camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. So the diseased man got up at twilight to go to the Arameans' camp. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Arameans had said to each other, The king of Israel must have hired the kings of Etites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tent, horses and donkeys. The camp was intact and they had fled for their lives. When these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. Then they picked up the silver, the gold, the clothing and went off and eat them. They came back and entered another tent, picked up things and hid them. Then they said to each other, we are not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let us go and tell the king's household. So this man came and called to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went to the Aramean camp and no one was there, no human sound. There was, there was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys. And the ten were intact. The gatekeeper called out, and the news was reported to the king's household. So the king got up in the night and said to his servant, Let me tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they have left the camp to hide in the open country, thinking when they came out of the city, we would take them alive and go into the city. But one of the servants responded, Please let messengers take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their fate is like the entire Israelite community who will die. So let's send them and see. 
So the, messengers, so the messengers took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army, saying, Go and see. So they followed them as far as the Jordan. They saw that the whole way was littered with cloth and equipment the Arameans had thrown off in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the Aramean camp. It was then that six quarts of fine flour sold for half ounce of silver and twelve quarts of barley sold for half an ounce of silver according to the word of the Lord. The king had appointed the captain, his right-hand man, to be in charge of the city gate. But the people trampled him in the gate. He died just as the man of God had predicted when the king had come to him. When the man of God had said to the king, about this time tomorrow, 12 quarts of barley will sell for half ounce of silver. And six, six, six quarts of fine flour will sell for half ounce of silver at Samaria's gate. This captain has answered the man of God, look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha had said, you will in fact see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. This is what happened to him. The people trampled him in the city gate and he died. Now, this is a story of four lepers. Now, if you go to, to, to Kings 5 and 6, you'll see that there's been famine in the land. In fact, it got, it got so bad that two women, I mean, 2 Kings 6 is, is just a graphic illustration of, of what should never happen. I mean, two women decided to kill their babies. One killed a baby, and the other one, when it was time for her, ran away and, you know, eat the baby somewhere. And this woman went to meet the king. And said, King, we made a pact with this lady that I'm going to kill my own son, and then we'll kill her own as well. And then she didn't give it up. The king was so annoyed. And the king would say, like, God, do so to me if the head of Elisha does not come off. And the king was going to meet Elisha. And then it was when the king got to Elisha's place that Elisha replied to the king that about this time tomorrow, something is going to happen. Now, Israel has been under a siege. Now, to be under a siege, they couldn't go out. They couldn't come in. So, you know. The Syrian army had camped around where they were. So there was no way they could come in. There was no way they could go out. And all of a sudden, when Elisha prophesied that about this time tomorrow, something will happen, we're now, we're now told that there are four lepers. All of a sudden, there are these four lepers. And I want us to look at what happened to these four lepers. Now, in Israel, we know that leprosy is something that it's, 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 if, you are, if you're a leper, you are not allowed to come into the camp. You are asked to go outside the gate. So anyone with leprosy is not allowed to come into the city gate. So they are actually forbidden by the law to reside within cities. For the reference, look at Leviticus 13, 46 and Numbers 5, 3. It talks about the fact that, that if you have leprosy, you are not allowed to come into the camp. In fact, when Miriam... Um, rebelled against Moses. The Bible says that you know, God struck her with leprosy and she was driven out of the camp for, I think it was seven days or so until she was, it was when she was cleansed, that was when she came back into the camp. So anybody with leprosy is not allowed to come 
into God's camp. And so they are always driven out. So we've got just four men, sadly, have got leprosy. You know, they were insignificant. They were nothing. They were invalid. They felt that there was no hope for them anymore. And they were driven out outside the camp. And all of a sudden, God found these four men. Four men, four lepers. That their life had been shattered. Their life was no more. All of a sudden, God began to use them. But a few things happen as we go along. You will see that they've been there all the while, but all of a sudden there was a conversation. So there are four things I want to look at this morning. Okay, I want to look at the conversation that happened among these four lepers and their corresponding action. Okay, and then I want to look at the footstep of Jesus. And then we look at what happened to, uh, how did things happen with these lepers when they made those conversations. And then we're going to end uh, on a prayer note. So my first point is one, the conversation and the corresponding action. They ask a question, a very important question. So why sit we here till we die? What a profound question. I mean, these guys looked at their predicament and realized that there was no, all the outcomes were not good. If they went into the camp, they couldn't survive. If they sit there, they couldn't survive. If they were to go into the camp of the Syrians, it was very likely that they were going to die. But they asked themselves a question. And they said to one another, why sit we here and we die? Why sit we here and we die? Oftentimes we get to this point in our lives where things have not been going on fine. And we just look, look, what can I do? There's nothing else I can. I'm just going to stay there. And, well, I can't change it. But what can I do? I'm just going to leave it there and allow things to happen. But these guys had that, that conversation as well. That why sit we here until we die? This is such a critical point to get to. They understood that there were such they were in, in a such terrible situation. That logic was perfect. They would soon die from the famine. Because there was famine. There was no way they would survive. If they're going to the camp, the Syrians had besieged the city. So there was no way food was coming into the camp. So, there was, so all their outcomes was going to lead to one thing. Death. Besides not all the options that any good outcome. But there was something they did. They refuse to sit down. Oftentimes, when we get to the new year, we ask ourselves a lot of questions. <laughs> so, my life last year, oh, I wanted to do this. Oh, I wanted to do that. And then you begin to reflect on things that did not happen or that happened. And the question is, when you ask yourself these questions, what do you do? These guys ask themselves a question. Why sit we here till we die? What is going to happen, Lord? This is not going to change. And sometimes, maybe you, you've been in a lot of pain or things have not happened. And oftentimes, we accept things as they are and say, there is nothing I can do about it. I spoke to somebody a few weeks ago, and I was asking the person, now, what's going on? And the person made a very profound statement. There is nothing I can do about it. And then I remembered I'm preaching this morning. And, and I asked myself, why sit we here till we die? I don't know if you're in a situation this morning, things are not going as they should be. 
Have you asked yourself the same question? What's the point? What can I do? There is nothing I can. This guy, the, all the options weren't good at all. There was an army before them. There was farming behind them where they were, there was no food. So there was no option that was good at all. They had a conversation, but they refused. They didn't stop there. Something happened. The Bible says these lepers had nothing else to lose. But something happened. They began to take steps. They said, it doesn't matter if the odds are against me. It doesn't matter if things are not going on. But I won't sit down there. I, will not, I, will, I won't sit down there and do nothing. I'm going to stand. I'm going to rise up. The prodigal son, the Bible says that he had a conversation as well, didn't he? He said, look at this. What's going on here? Bible says, he said, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, I've sinned against you. You see, anytime God wants to do something great in their lives, you have a conversation, but God wants you to stand up and step out and say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham stood up. He didn't know where he was going, but he judged him faithful. God told Abraham, he said, leave your father's house unto a land that I will show you. Abraham did not know where he was going. There was a conversation. But Abraham said, I don't know. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to take a move. And Abraham said that Abraham stood. He didn't know where he was going. When God told Abraham, take your Isaac and go and sacrifice. Then one of, the, one of the servants said, where are you going? You know what Abraham said? He said, I'm going yonder to worship. He doesn't know where he was going, but he knew that any time you take a step of faith, God always shows up. God shows up any time we take a step. And if you go to scriptures, God always shows up. Even Moses, when he came back, he wasn't sure what's going to happen. But God used him mightily for his glory. And we see the same thing happen with these lepers. They stood up. They had a conversation. And this morning, I want you to have a conversation with yourself. And look at yourself. What's going on? What else can I do? And I think God will say to you this morning, it's time to take a step of faith. The Bible says that when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, you know what happened to their surprise? There was no one there. For God had done what? The Bible says the huge army surrounded the city for many more. Said for, for, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots. Four lepers. For nurses amongst those who have studied leprosy. A leper struggle, they are in so much pain. How could the steps of four lepers be equal to the noise of chariots? How could four men that are so weak, four men that are nothing else, four men, as they walked, the Bible says that the Syrians heard the noise of chariots. That is unbelievable. It's a way we take steps for God. It feels like small step, but small step in the hand of a mighty God. God does great things when we make a move for him.
And this year is so, is so exciting because there's so much that we are trusting God to do. There's so much that we've planned. Because we are saying that this year we're not going to sit down. This year we're going I mean, Tuesday will be loaded. You, don't, you cannot afford to miss Tuesday for anything. Because you hear some things on Tuesday, I'm like, my goodness, how is this going to happen? Because we have said to ourselves, we will not sit here till we die. We will not sit down and do nothing. We will stand, we will rise, we will make a move, we will dare God, we will do the impossible because we have a God that backs us up. I love that song, how God is a lion. He fights our battles and we trust him. The Bible says that Israel was powerless against this besieging army, but God wasn't powerless. He attacked the Syrian army by causing them to hear the noise of an army. And that's amazing. It's the same God who struck. Now, if you look at in 2 Kings 6, these Syrian guys, they, they, they were dealt with by God. <laughs> because in 2 Kings, the Bible says they came to meet Elisha. And, and they surrounded, besieged Elisha's house as well. And God struck them with blindness. And they came against the whole city. And they heard the noise of chariot. The God who struck one Syrian army, so they could not see what was there, struck another one. So they heard that there, were, there, was, there was nothing there. Everything was left behind, leaving the unlikely lepers to spoil the camp. As a result, the siege for Samaria was over. With this leads to my second point. The lepers took a step. And we see this in the life of our Lord Jesus as well. Just as those lepers took the steps, our Lord Jesus took the step to Calvary. He conquered death and the grave. As he walked each step, salvation was restored. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgression. Do you know when he was wounded? When he walked. As he took the step to Calvary, the Bible says he was pierced. He was wounded. He said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Jesus was bruised. Jesus suffered when he walked on the way to Calvary. He took those steps for us. And hallelujah, we're here this morning. Just as a leper found spoils and the Syrian army was disarmed. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 15 that Jesus also disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it. And guess what? When the lepers saw the spoils, they saw abundance. When Jesus died, Ephesians 1.3 said, we are blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Just as the lepers took the steps and God brought victory, our Lord Jesus took the step to Calvary and he won and paid the price for us. And by his stripes today, we. In fact, if we check the original translation, maybe this is where I might have a conversation with Duncan about the Greek and the Hebrew context. He said, by the stripe you were healed. Not you are. You were healed. That means that Jesus had bought the price for us. We are healed in it. We are not going to be. We were. Because he paid the price once and for all. 
So today we are encouraged to follow in the footsteps of the lepers. God used a baby born in a manger to deliver mankind from an author helplessness, from a shame and guilt. God raised to Jesus, the son of a carpenter. In fact, if you check Isaiah 53, the Bible says he has no comeliness. There was nothing great about him, just like the lepers. The lepers, are, they're not so clean. Jesus himself, the Bible says he has no form. He has no comeliness. That was why when he came, they didn't recognize him because he didn't look like it. The son of a common carpenter became the son of God and have changed our lives forever. There was no beauty that we should desire in him. It does not appear in the form which we had anticipated, yet it saved us from our sins. That's the beauty of following the footstep of Jesus. To bring you to the third point this morning, what lessons can we learn from the life of these lepers? We could see that these guys took steps, and we could see our Lord Jesus taking steps. But what lesson can we learn from this? Now, don't forget, there were two things that happened. There was a captain, and there were these lepers. The captain heard that by this time tomorrow, something will happen. But the captain doubted God. The lepers were not even there when Elisha spoke, yet they took steps. Now, the question, therefore, is what exactly happened with this captain that made him not to see what the prophet said? And I believe there are four things I want to bring up very quickly. You see, the first thing was he doubted the power of God. Elisha said, look, he said, if God would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? I mean, this guy limited the beauty of our God. I mean, where, this guy is an Israelite for, for crying out loud. Has he not read in the scriptures that he read manna for 40 years in the wilderness? Where is it coming from? Has he not read in the scriptures that he parted the Red Sea? How could he have said that? If God were to open the windows of heaven, does he not know in Malachi 3 verse 10, God even said, prove me if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you a blessing that there will be no room enough for you. Has he not read it? What a man. What a man. He doubted the power of God. He couldn't believe God could make windows in heaven. Because he looked at the natural situation and said there was nothing good come out of it. There was no way change could come. God is not bound by time. God lives in eternity. He can do what he wants to do. Psalm 115 says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name we give glory. If you read verse, I think chapter, verse 1 and verse 2, I think Psalm 115 verse 1 and 2, I say, our God is in heaven. He does whatsoever he pleases. God can change things around the twinkle of an eye. This man doubted the power of God. This man doubted the messenger of God. This man doubted the creativity of God. In the mind of the king's officer, there was no way this could happen. 
Are you this morning, are you in this morning, do you doubt the power of God? For example, this morning, if we say, if there's somebody who is sick amongst us, why don't you just come forward, let's pray for you. Do you doubt the power of God? Because you have sat in church for so long, and you have said, well, this thing doesn't happen. Because you have been in church for all your life, you haven't seen the power of God. You have not seen the creativity of God. This guy has been there. He has not seen anything. Why should I blame him? I can't blame him for goodness because he has not seen it. Many have been coming to church. They have not seen the power of God. They have not seen the salvation of God. They have not seen the creativity of God. So they doubt. And I hear this morning, you've been in this, you've been, you've been coming for so long. And you've seen nothing. And I'm praying today that this year there will be a change. We will see the power of God like never before. Because this thing was written in the past. It still happens today. God still works miracles. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? God still works miracles. God still does wonders. God still does wonders. God can make a way in the wilderness. He can make pools of water in the desert. Our God is a strong and mighty God. Look, if you have not seen it in your life, in churches, then you will doubt it. And exactly that is what has happened to this captain. He's been in church all his life. He hasn't seen anything. And then he said, if God, I mean, do you know, how he should have responded when the angel came to Mary. You know what the angel said to Mary? He said, you shall have a son and it shall be called the son of the highest. Do you know what Mary said? Then be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. If I say this morning, you are healed, what would you say? Oh, no. Die or forget that. I've heard that several times. God doesn't heal people again, does he? If I said to you, God can change things around. If there's somebody here, you've been trusting God for something, we pray for you today. Would you go back and say, yes, I believe with the whole of my heart. Or would you go back, oh, can God make windows in heaven? Can this thing change overnight? Unbelief. 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 What do you believe this morning? What do you believe this year that will happen to you? What do you believe? Do you believe that you serve a God that is so powerful? Do you believe you serve a God? Bible said in Ephesians 3 verse 20 that God is able to make, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever ask or imagine. Do you believe that? Do you believe 1 John 5 4 that this is the confidence that we have in him that when we call upon him he hears us? And if he hears us, we know we have received that petition from him. Do you believe this? Are these just mere words to you? Or would you say like Mary this morning, be it unto me according to your word? You know, when Zechariah heard the same thing, and he was questioning, <laughs> you know what happened? The angel just struck him with blind, with deafness. He said, you are you, you hear too much. Oh, you know, just shut you, shut your mouth so you can't speak. So he was dumb for quite some time because he doubted what God was saying. Do you believe God's word this morning? If we pray for you this morning, do you believe God will heal you this morning? Unbelief. What do you believe? And let me balance this. 
If we pray for people this morning and they don't get healed, that does not mean that God does not heal people. It does not mean. We believe with the whole of our heart that God still does miracles. And we trust that he will do miracles today because we just take step of faith. The lepers, all they did was just take, look, all we can do is to just take steps. We just take steps. We just say, God, I'm taking a step this morning. Are you in this place that you've not even publicly declared the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Or you can say this morning, I'm going to take a step of faith this morning. I'm going to declare before everyone, look, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Are you in this place, in the next few weeks, we are doing baptism. And you've not even considered doing baptism. You can take a step this morning and say, Lord, I want everyone to know I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. The Bible says about the, the Ethiopian Enoch. When you, go, when you saw water, he said, this is water. Why can't I be baptized? I want to challenge us this morning that God wants us to take steps of faith. Okay. As we start this new year, this story encourages us to trust in the God of unlimited possibilities. The time is fast spent. I would just, and I've actually covered the third part, which is how did God bring about an intervention? The Bible, first thing that happened was Elijah spoke the word of the Lord. But this guy did not respond the right way. And I actually said, I think I was a bit ahead of my game. The fact that Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. And this morning, the word you've heard this morning, you need to mix that word with faith in your heart. If you check Hebrews 3, 12 and 19, you know, the Bible spoke about that the word did not profit them because the word was not mixed with faith in their heart. Hebrews 3, 19, Hebrews 3, verse 12, verse 19, and Hebrews 4, verse 2, you know, speaks more into this. The fact that you've heard this morning what God is saying, what would you do? And we could see that the lepers, when they heard the word, when this happened, the Bible says that they went into the camp, they ate and drank, you know, because God has, so we, are, so we can believe God and enjoy the provisions in his word. But we need to share this with others as well. And this year, we want to encourage everybody to share things with others this year. Because they said to themselves, we're not doing right. Come, let us go and tell. And the lepers went into the camp and told the gatekeeper what has happened. What you cannot give what you don't have. You know, do you know what, um, was it Nathaniel? I can't remember one of the, he said, come, he said, he was telling another disciple, he said, look, come and see this guy. No, I think it was, okay, no. It was John 4, where the, the woman at the well, the Bible says she went into the city and he said, come, I've met a man that have told me everything that I've done. I believe with the whole of my heart that God wants to do something in our lives so we can go out there and say to people, look at what God has done for me. When men see our lives, they want to come and see the thing that God has done for us. As I close, 
we see these lepers, four of them used of God to bring a miracle. We see ourselves as these lepers, men and women. We look so insignificant. Do you know, the disciples of Jesus came to meet him one day and said, we saw another set, they were not part of us, using your name. And Jesus was so happy. Do you know, in this place, there are no superstars. Thank God for Duncan. Thank you for Jeff. Thank you for Jason. We're just leaders. But do you know that God is looking for mere vessels, men and women, that he wants to use for his glory? Do you know that in this place, we can have people that can lay hands on the sick and they will, they will recover? We can have people here that will go out there and preach and souls will be saved. There was a man called Stephen, a common deacon. Dicking were meant to serve tables. All he was doing was serving tea and coffee. So this is going for those serving tea and coffee. <laughs> Dicking was serving tables. But God used him mightily. In fact, a whole chapter was dedicated to a man that was serving tables. Do you know that all the apostles, not all of them got a chapter in the Bible? A common Stephen. A leper, quote and unquote. God used him mightily. So friends, do not discount yourself that God cannot use you. Do not believe, oh, look at that Duncan. When he preaches, he talked about the Greek and the Hebrew. I can't keep up with him. Oh, this dial is so passionate. He's just quoting Bible verses around there. Oh, my goodness. And then you got Jeff next week. He will stand here and he will talk to you. And you'll feel like you've not been born. You've not known Jesus all your life. You're just like, my goodness, how does he know the Bible so much? And then a few weeks time, you see Jason coming up as well and then speaking God's word to you. And like, oh, these guys are so good. And you ask yourself, what about me? These are just mere men. God is looking for vessels. And I believe with the whole of my heart in this place, there are men and women that will do great things for God. Stevens, men serving tea and coffee. Men just taking stacks of chairs every Sunday. They look so insignificant. They look like the lepers. And those are the ones I'm sent to this morning. The people that look so insignificant. The people that feel like, who, who says God cannot give prophetic words? Who says God cannot use him mightily for his glory? Is there somebody here that would dare to believe God to be used of him this year? And I want to, there are a few people I want to, to really ask to come to the high and we just pray together. For some people today, it's a step of salvation. You need to take a step this morning and say, look, I'm coming out. Lord, this is me. For some people, it's a step to baptism. A few weeks time we are doing baptism and the room is still open. Some of you need to say, I'm going to take a step. I don't care what people say. I'm taking a step for Jesus this morning. And if you're in that place, we really want to hear from you this morning. Take a step to salvation, a step to baptism. For some people, you need to take a step to launch out in faith and say, God, I am tired of this cycle. I want to change. I want you to use me for your glory. 
For some people, it's a step to be healed this morning. If you're sick, we want to pray for you. You need to take a step of faith this morning. Say, God, pray for me. That's all we can do. We can just pray. I'm not the healer. It's God that heals. So I can only pray. But you need to take the step of faith this morning and say, I want to be healed. You need to say in your heart first, I want to be. That woman said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, she said within herself. You need to say within your heart this morning. For some people, your prayer life, you struggle to pray. You struggle to read God's word. You need to say this morning, Lord, I'm launching out this year. Lord, give me the grace to pray. Romans 8, the Bible says that it, the, the, the Spirit of God helps us in our infirmities. Because we don't even know what to pray as we ought to, but it helps us. And I feel there's help here this morning that God wants to use. Can I just get the band to come forward? And for some people, it's a time to get your pen and paper and take action this week. You know, we have a variety of, we are in a blend of people here. Some people, you know, you have served, you have worked, you've got the time. You know, you're not working. You can say, God, I'm going to take an hour to pray. Say, Duncan, give me prayer points. I've got time. I've got time to pray. You've got time. You can just say, Look, what, are the, what are the issues? I'm just going to pray for you guys. You've got time. And we can do it. So, so what will you do differently this year? Now, why sit we here till we die? Now, I do not expect anyone to be sad when it's time to pray. Because we're not going to sit down and allow things to continue. We're going to take step of faith this morning. We're going to take step of faith this morning. So we run to God this morning because he's the one that can do great things.